Are you looking for Christ-focused ornaments and gifts this Advent? Ad Crucem has a wide selection of Christmons, Christmas ornaments, greeting cards, artwork, housewares, jewellery, and churchwares to boldly and beautifully proclaim the good news of Christ given for us. Put what you believe, teach, and confess on display this year. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Today we have a conversation with a creative, which means we have an extra person in studio. Always super exciting. Yes, we do. To have a guest on the podcast. So, Aaron, can you introduce who we have in studio with us today? So, today we have Lisa Clark. And if you guys are in the Facebook lounge, you will have, she has often been interacting in that group (laughs) in various capacities. So it won't be an unfamiliar name. And if your church has done a Christmas pageant in recent years, there's a fair chance you might not realize how familiar you are (laughs) with Lisa Clark's work. So Lisa, you've got a lot of different types of ways you express your creativity. So I'm going to let you give us a quick overview and then we're going to dive into some some discussion. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, I do a lot of writing uh, is probably the main way people think of me as a creative. I write children's books and devotions and some lessons and Christmas programs and mm-hmm. also a lot of hymns. Uh, that's yes. probably the thing I spend a lot of time with, Sarah. <laughs> hymn nerd! Yeah. Yes, I am definitely a hymn nerd and uh, <laughs> do a lot of hymn writing as well. So I do that on my, what do I call it? I don't know. Um, that's my writer hat, I guess. Okay. I also edit and I help lead a team of editors at Concordia Publishing House. And then, of course, as you all know, we all have plenty of vocations in our lives. You know, wife, I'm a mom, uh, all those many things. Live in South City, St. Louis. My husband's a pastor and just loving life. And if you you listen to KFUO programming, Lisa's husband is half of the duo of Wrestling with the Basics Hmm. with Jolly John Lukomsky and Matt Youngblood Clark. So. That's right. And in case you're wondering, because we do get asked, no, Youngblood is not his middle name. Uh, that was a nickname that was given to him by John because of something his daughter had said. Oh, that's and, funny. And so, yes, he does get asked every once in a while, you know, is that really part of your name? No, huh. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, I guess my first question, and I, I thought of this immediately, is about... When it comes to creativity, I usually I usually think of it because that's how my work and life tends to work out. I express my creativity outside of work mm-hmm. primarily mm-hmm. and inside of work. Occasionally I get opportunity, but usually there's less of that freedom. Right. However, I feel like in your case you get to do that as part of your work as well. Yes. How does that work? Is it feel does it feel constrained? Is it I don't know. What is that like to do that as part of your actual 
job. And it's not, you're not just an, an entrepreneur either, you know, an independent contractor or anything. Mm-hmm. You're, you're working as part of a large organization. Mm-hmm. So how does that play out? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's one that a lot of creatives have to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I think all of us have to wrestle with it. Uh, there was a time, for example, I was a teacher and then suddenly I was stay at home mom. And then there were times where I was doing freelance at home and things. And what I learned was y- you need your fixes, whatever those fixes are. Mm-hmm. So when I was home, I suddenly needed to have my teaching fix. So I helped <laughs> teach uh, or do work with the, um, the youth group, or I need mm-hmm. my teen fix, or I, I helped a ladies Bible study and, you know, those kinds of things. And so what I've learned is over my various chapters of life thus far, I think there are different places where creativity or, you know, my, well, I should back up a little bit and just say that my degree in undergrad was secondary education language arts at Concordia, mm-hmm. Nebraska. And so okay. suddenly it's been crazy for me to see over the years, oh, now I'm being an educator who happens to write. And now I'm a writer who happens to do some education things. And mm-hmm. and so I think for me at this moment, it's become a, quite a blend. And for me right now, that's great. There was a time where I told my husband, I don't think I could be full-time entrepreneur type person or freelance type person. I've done that before, but that was really part-time really mm-hmm. where I think if finances was a huge factor of my creativity, it would be kind of crushing a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, too much stress. But at the same time, it is great to be able to be creative and to be kind of structured, which I think is kind of a, a myth. People who are creative can't be organized. They can't mm-hmm. be disciplined. Mm-hmm. And I would say a lot of very creative people actually do have a certain level of discipline. It may not look like everybody's discipline, but there's a certain level of discipline organization. So Mm -hmm. in short, I feel like my life, and this is probably a good thing um, because my husband's life is like this too. Any person who's in ministry, it feels like your whole (laughs) life is just one big blob of stuff. And so (laughs) when I'm at work, I feel kind of creative and kind of organized and get home and I'm kind of creative and kind of organized in ministries all over the place, you know, (laughs) and then I'm volunteering at church. And so right now there's less boundaries per se, even though I'm in different locations, I feel like the creativity and the organization is all part of it. Well, I have a follow-up question. I think flows very nicely out of this. How do you keep from burning out Because as I found in my experience, the quickest way to lose your love and creativity in an area is to start doing it for your job. You know, when I worked at a coffee shop, you know, or a bookstore or whatever, I just lost the magic was gone. Worked in publishing, never cracked a book open when I came home for the night. Don't tell people that. But how do you how do you stay refreshed and keep that creativity coming? even as you're doing it That's such for a your good work question. because because work is work there's just no way yeah. around it if it's yeah. work it's work right part of it is my day in day out work does actually look fairly different from my writing self now i do do some writing increasingly here and there well i guess it's an ebb and flow but there are plenty of days where i have lots of meetings or i'm doing <laughs> management kind of stuff or i'm editing which is a very different exercise than writing and so i think it does give me a, a decent variety hmm. uh, most of my writing i'm doing on my own time at home and so it still feels like a hobby mm-hmm. um so so i think that's that's part of it just trying to make sure that i have enough variety and also as crazy as it sounds writing i think 
is a lot like any other sport or muscle or skill. The more you do it, the easier it is. And the more you hunger for it, I get hangry if I don't write. Oh. Uh, so, and I, and I think if I waited too long, then I'd, you know, kind of get lethargic and then I'd have mm-hmm. to kind of build those muscles back up again. But because I write often, it just kind of feeds on itself. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point. <laughs> Do you have a strict schedule with that? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like every day might not be the same time every day, but every day you're going to get at least a certain amount of time in or I don't know. How does that work? Yeah, I I think I it's probably more accurate to say I have like weekly or monthly goals. Okay. I I like to try to spend time every day doing certain things, but we all know life happens. And if you're too hard on yourself, then mm-hmm. you're just going to throw up your hands and give up. Yeah. Um, so, and because I have a lot of family hat type things right now, sometimes I'm kind of at the mercy of whatever the rest of the family is doing, which of course they're doing as well. Um, <laughs> so um, one of the great things right now is my husband and I are both doing some doctoral work, which sounds oh, yeah. crazy, but it that actually is crazy. Is awesome. It doesn't just sound crazy. It is. <laughs> no, it's so good because we have study dates. And so it's oh, like, oh, I love it. It's so good because oh, so I'm cute. one of those people that I put too much guilt on myself if I'm not being there for people mm. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if Matt will say, oh, I'm sorry, I've got to do studies. I'll say, well, that's great. I'll just do studies too. And, you know, no problem. And and so we just go on and, you know, have our coffee or, well, yeah, sometimes still coffee at night, but <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, or tea or whatever. And we'll be just writing or reading together. Um, huh. So, yeah. Okay. So what are you doing your doctorate in? Because I think I, I, I remember that you told me what it was and I don't remember, but I know that I loved it. Yay. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's see. As, as you all know, especially with things like your master's thesis or your doctoral di- uh, dissertation, although actually I'm doing uh, my studies abroad and at the right. UK. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at the University of Bristol and the thesis is a dissertation and the dissertation is a thesis. So I just say project <laughs> when I'm talking to them. So I don't sound hmm. crazy to them. But yes, uh, as you know, those kinds of things change. So here's where I am right now. It is a PhD. It is interdisciplinary with English, creative writing and theology. And it is looking at how the Church of the West engages the post-Christian world through the lens of hymnody and eschatology. Yes, oh, I knew I loved you. it. Oh. Yes. There we go. Speaks okay, yes. that takes a lot of boxes for us here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you? Okay, I know this is probably going off a little into the weeds. Can okay. you unpack that just a little bit, though? Because yes. that was a lot of big Those words. Those were big words. Yes, I'm sorry. And I am a firm believer that good writing doesn't always use big words. You can mm-hmm. have big thoughts and use small mm-hmm. words. So people can preach. Yes. Oh, Rachel, I know. I know. Um, it, it takes skill, right, to consider uh-huh. your audience. Anyway, what that means is if we consider the resurrection and the new creation, you are thinking about the world now in different ways than if you are not thinking about the end at all, or if you're just thinking, well, I'll go to heaven someday and it's fine. If you think about the fact that Jesus is coming again and he's going to make all things new and we're all going to be together in this perfect, renewed creation, then how we act right now is going to be impacted in our witness. What we do with, for example, 
environment or helping those in need or any of those kinds of things. And so through the lens of hymnody, then if our hymns speak to those things, it can become in the hearts and minds of the people and therefore can go out and be a witness to the world of Jesus, who is coming to make all things new. I want to read whatever you write about yeah. that. Yay. <laughs> that is like, I'll read it. My wheels. Yeah. Well, and that one more amazing. point then, because it's interdisciplinary, that means it's creative writing, which means oh. I am writing a <gasps> hundred hymns on that. What? A hundred yes. hymns. Oh. That's yes. a like hymnal right there. Oh, <laughs> yes. So yeah, this so, is, this is need my a very thing. long name for it. I love this so yes. much. <laughs> As, well, I mean, the PhD label is pretty long. Just, right. Yeah, title it like I am getting my PhD in blah, 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 blah. It's a throwback to the 1800s exactly. uh, hymnal exactly. titles that are a paragraph long. Right. Yes. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I have, a, I have a, a burning question. You are a full-time senior editor, a minister yes. wife, mi- ministry yes. wife who writes in her spare time and writes cool mm-hmm. things like Christmas pageants and arch books. Oh, my goodness. I just saw that <laughs> yes. on your author page. That's the <laughs> niftiest thing. But you also have kids. Yeah. How? <laughs> How okay, is this so here, possible? Okay, so first of all, our kids are older. My son is a senior and he can drive and he's never home. Well, he, he is, I have to say. <laughs> he's, home for dinner. he's a great kid. I don't want to I don't want to make that sound like I'm a yeah. complaining person, but he is very self-sufficient. Uh, my daughter is in eighth grade and she also is quite self-sufficient sans car. So there are a lot of things that really work well again homework dates the kids do homework too so that that kind of stuff works also one of the blessings we take for granted when i was going to go be a church worker and then when i realized i was marrying a church worker <laughs> i figured we were going to be who knows where all our lives well god called matt to waterloo illinois which was 45 minutes away from our parents and now he's called to south st louis which is 30 minutes away from our parents so we have constant free daycare when they were younger mm-hmm. um, and you know so there's just a lot of blessings that have currently been time savers for us <laughs> so and, and it, there's other times in our lives that that was not the case in fact we often have field workers at our church because mm-hmm. we're so close to the seminary and i try to make a point to the some wives who are there like I did not do things like this when our children were toddlers. You know, there's Mm -hmm. just different chapters in our lives and we're always busy, but we're busy with different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So now that my daughter can dress herself and feed herself uh, (laughs) snacks and things, then that's a different level of um, responsibility for me. So, Mm -hmm. okay. Maybe I don't feel quite so bad anymore. (laughs) No no mom guilt. No mom mom guilt. This too all. shall pass, Rachel. Yes. <laughs> no, but even so, this is, I mean, I'm I'm super impressed. And I want to talk to you more about the Christmas pageants because it's a Christmas season. Yes. I know my kids have done one of your pageants before and really got a lot out of it. But what's your process for writing those? And, you know, how do you come up with something fresh? And how do you put it all together, all the moving parts? How does one sure. write a Christmas pageant? Well, that has kind of changed over the years. The first one I wrote actually was for 
our church in Emmanuel in Waterloo, Illinois at the time. And um, the music director there at the time thought, thought, let's do something on the Jesse tree. Do you want to write some things about it? And so I wrote some rhymes. And that was when I was really just starting out writing. Mm -hmm. And it was about the same time that I was doing some freelance. Well, maybe at that point I was doing some part-time copy editing at CPH. And I said, hey, there's this Christmas program if you ever want it. And, you know, for a while they're like, thanks, but it doesn't fit right now, Um, (laughs) which, which is great. That's fine. Eventually, they wanted somebody to help write a program. And at that point, it was, here's the theme we need you to write about. Mm. Can you plug things in and make it work through the outline that we typically use that we've found tends to work for most churches? Okay, great. By that time, I'd done some a certain level of writing and writing to kind of a, a format or an outline was perfectly fine. So that was fun. I, I enjoyed doing that. And then recently now we're starting to really try to make sure that our Christmas programs align with the sermon series mm. also. So more, more collaboration, more all, all of that, which is great. No, what was it? Last year, I think it was. Suddenly they said, hey, let's start thinking Jesse Tree. And I yeah. pull out my, the hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Of course, I had it's to time. rework it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I had to fit it into the outline and rework a lot of it. But a lot of that was from the original, which I think is a really good reminder for all writers and creatives that sometimes your stuff sits and that's okay. And sometimes it gets discovered 10 years later or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, mm-hmm. too. But to be honest, I'm actually not doing as much writing of those the past year or so. There's mm-hmm. um, my friend Mary is also a fantastic writer, and I was starting to feel like I'm starting to feel like I might not be quite as creative with this. Mm. Um, so I'm taking a small break, and she's doing her magic. What are you focusing on right now, then? Well, I am doing some work with the curriculum that's coming out through CPH. So I'm doing some some lessons there. That's one of those hybrid part writer, part mm-hmm. editor kind of tests. Um, I actually get to do another portals in a, in a little bit. I think it'll be my third time doing portals, uh, which I love that. The most of what I'm doing right now is hymns. I'm doing a yes. lot of hymns. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So how many hymns do you actually write in a week? Because I see a ton of them on Instagram and I feel like what? it's every day. Hymns plural in a week? Yeah. It's like yeah, every wow. day. And every day I cry. <laughs> no, so Your kids are really good no. at getting their own snacks. I just, kudos. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, remember that. Well, here's another thing I say is when I was crafting, I don't craft right now. So there, there mm. you go. Um, <laughs> when I was crafting, it was like jewelry or scarves, not quilts or anything. It was little pieces. So hymns oh. are kind of like that. You know, you can write them and then they're done. Things like novels. That's a different story. <laughs> um, so it, it's kind of satisfying to be able to sit down for a little bit and be done with something. I write on average one to three a week, probably closer to one-ish, but it does get to be more than one sometimes. I've slowed down a little bit this year just because I'm also writing part of my research, Uh, but I'm still still writing because Hmm. I have to. How do you crank out that much content? I like that's <laughs> just, and I mean, I obviously I love hymnody, but uh, you know, as a as a creative person in a slightly different way, how do you keep finding that inspiration and finding new words to rhyme that you yeah. haven't already used? <laughs> well, light and sight. There, there's two you can use anytime. Good, thank you. <laughs> well, funny you should actually use that kind of rhyme because. Um, <laughs> There was a point at which I went to one of our hymn editors, our main main people, when I was kind of getting to the point where I was writing a certain level, a certain amount of hymns. And I thought, 
I'm going to start repeating some of these words. Or mm. and, and he said, so? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because there comes a point where, you know, that that's all right. And in fact, there was a point where I started laughing because there are certain hymn, hymn writers who there's a little bit about a joke about certain themes or yep. phrases or words they use pretty often. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Sarah's follow. You Her know, broker. Just, Aha, yes. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, and on one hand, yes, we make fun of that. But on the other hand, um, it's yeah, it's yeah. a signature. And, and um, again, my editor slash colleague mentor person's like, you know what? This is okay. It's kind of cool that there's going to be times where they're going to say kind of nodding like, oh, yeah. Uh, there, there's something that Lisa sometimes That's a does. Lisa Clark. That's a Lisa Clark. <laughs> so, right. With the "ite" sound, I often have been using the phrase "make all things right" or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so, "Son of God has conquered night" was the first time I used it, I think, and that was a pretty early text. But I've been coming back to it lately, and I thought, oh, oh well. <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense with the eschatology. Yes. Part of your whole hymn writing. I mean, hey. yeah, that, that totally works. Yeah. Can yeah. I give you some "ite" words? for you to write down now that that you can great. use yes okay how about stalagmite <laughs> i love it um stalactite yes <laughs> oh we're on the subject meteorite mm-hmm. meteorite satellite yeah yeah mm-hmm. A lot of you're not, you're not writing anything. Brie, I'll come back to listening to the podcast. I'll write okay. then. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a total side rabbit trail, but it's something I've been thinking about for a while. And since we have a hymn writer and a hymn nerd, oh. discuss this question. How has theology mm-hmm. in English been shaped by which words rhyme and do not rhyme and therefore are used in our hymnody? Because wow, I like it a lot. Ah. This is such a good question. <laughs> Scholarly um, paper, you're welcome. Yes, that that was kind of my answer. I'm like, I'm gonna have to wait and research that. I think maybe, <laughs> but yeah, I love it. Do you have any thoughts, Sarah? I don't know. I'm just thinking about how we talk about Catherine Winkworth and <sighs> and about how we think her her translations. And this is not a knock on Catherine Winkworth because she mm-hmm. did so much good work for our hymnody. Mm-hmm. But we often are like, oh, it's this text must be like perfect because mm-hmm. it's in our hymnal and it was translated mm-hmm. by Catherine Winkworth. But she wasn't Lutheran. Mm-hmm. And we can sometimes do better with those translations that come from other languages. So, yeah, Rachel, that's, that is a fascinating question. It's like, think about a word. I mean, like I, I said, light and sight, but think about how we speak of the soul. Now, yes. soul mm. is a wonderful word and it rhymes with lots of things. If we change to speaking about the psyche or the yeah. personality or something mm. that doesn't rhyme as well, it doesn't fit into our hymns. And yeah. therefore, we aren't exploring all the full nuances of some of these theological mm. concepts just because they a great don't rhyme example. easily. That's a great Crikey. example, as a matter of fact, because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Crikey or psyche. Um, the word soul can be interpreted as many different things. And I actually don't often use it, even though it's got several good, it rhymes whole, for example, that's, you know, so I, I'll often use heart as a little bit more of a mm. symbolic 
mm-hmm. or or sometimes I'll use things internally. And that's one of the things that a lot of, once you start writing hymns, you start realizing that there's some words you just don't put at the end of a line, and, but you're going to have to talk about it. So stick them somewhere in the middle and, and then work around it. But it's a great point. Yeah, there's certain words that just hard, like love. We don't have many words that rhyme with love, which really oh. is a problem because um, it'd be great to talk about love a lot. So I put love lots of places, but rarely at the end of a line. Hmm. So there you go. There's a whole Paul Gerhardt, which is translated stanza in Oh Lord, How Shall I Meet You that uses the word love like 10 times, hmm. but not one of them is at the end of the there phrase. They're all at the beginning. And it's probably my favorite verse out of an Advent hymn, period. <laughs> Love yeah, because you write love with above and then glove, and then you're about done. Glove, <laughs> glove. You got them. Yes. They will, they will rhyme with love and move, which always scares yeah. oh. me so much. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I, I try to avoid because I know it annoys people. Like so. blood <laughs> and good. You. Yes. Uh. No slant rhymes. No slant rhymes, uh, please. Yeah. Yeah. It's, either, it's, it's either direct or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but not always. I do every once in a while cheat. It's interesting, too, because so we have so much of our like traditional legacy Lutheran hymnody or, or hymnody that are that in our Lutheran hymnals that is translated works. Yeah. And so you're kind of, if, if you're trying to be true to the original text, you're yes. kind of constrained with what language you can use versus writing new hymnody in English where mm-hmm. you can explore yeah. mm-hmm. language a little bit more because you're, you're not trying mm-hmm. to stay true to somebody else's yeah. text that, that these words may probably have rhymed better yeah. in the original language. You're so, exactly right. Some languages you've got uh, more possibilities than others. I remember once we sure. were translating a rhymed picture book out of Italian. Now in Italian, ah. nearly every word ends with O or A. Yep. And nice. so you can rhyme anything without even trying. Mm. Right. <laughs> but you start no. bringing those into English and it's a huge challenge. Well, yeah. not every language rhymes. Uh, like, well, exactly. That's, that's a... That's sort of a unique thing to the mm. Romance languages, is it? I don't know. English and Spanish and Italian. I don't know if German rhymes. Japanese does not. Rhyme is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> they can do it pretty easily, yeah. but they don't have a concept of it. And it's so, And yeah. that shapes the poetry of right. it, too. Yeah. Right. I've only translated a few hymns so far. Most of mine are original. And it's, it's actually funny because one of my other editor friends, he puts the hymns texts into the scores often and so he made himself a program because he's brilliant um of (laughs) oh how did we hyphenate these words in the lsb so we can be Uh, consistent mm. for example or let's make sure that we you know hyphenate consistently whenever we do something and he teases me because often when he puts my text in in this program there are words that show up that have never been used in our you know kind of thing so but some of that's because I'm able to write originals as opposed to translating a lot. But translations, yeah, it's a challenge. I actually just, my very first translation with a Nepali text this week, Mm. which is a totally different process. Mm. But I think you're right. When I started writing hymns, I was at a conference and they said, oh yeah, English, they don't, it just doesn't rhyme very well. And I thought, really? And part of it is just, I just don't know any better, right? But English has rhythm and Mm -hmm. and it has, um, like if you're listening to somebody talking outside the door, you can probably figure out a little bit of what they're saying just because of the rise and fall and the length of the syllables. And a lot, there's languages that don't do that. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize it until mm-hmm. a linguist told me. And I thought, oh, right. So mm-hmm. I think part of being a hymn writer, especially when you're thinking about translations, is to think about 
the poetry of that language mm-hmm. um, and to try to honor it if you can, but also realizing that English is not the same language as another and try to play to the English strengths also. Yeah. yeah. I think I have a softball question. Great. So, so pardon it. You've probably <laughs> answered this a million times, but I'm truly interested because let me just ask the question. I'm not going to preface it. Um, <laughs> like when, at what point in your life did you realize that you were a writer? Like, does that make sense? I love that question. Yeah. Yeah. I love that question because I think a lot of writers, and I'm sure there are other vocations like this, but there are a lot of writers who are like, well, am I a writer? Am I writing? I don't really want to say I'm a writer. It feels silly to call myself a writer. That imposter syndrome thing. (laughs) Yes. That's exactly (laughs) it. And finally, my husband one day looked at me and goes, you write. And I go, yeah. He goes, you're a writer. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Good enough. (laughs) And so I think... Part of what we do is we try to think of a certain milestone of what makes mm. you a writer or what makes you a successful writer. And I've actually given presentations on the why of a writer because I think when I go to conferences or when I go to writers' workshops and then I reconnect with the people who attended with me later on, I think the people who are most satisfied with their writing are the ones who've identified why they're writing. Mm-hmm. If you're writing for a living, and you really need income for your family, then if you're making an income, great. Who cares if you're writing really dumb things for some ad company or wh- whatever? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll, ad companies are fine. I'm not trying to <laughs> insult them. Um, but if you're doing it to make a living, then you're going to take all kinds of jobs that you may not love, but you're making a living. And that's great. If you're doing it because you want to make sure people know that you're here and you can contribute and things, then you're going to do whatever it takes, even if it's free, just to get your stuff out there. If you're doing it for the gospel and you see that it's serving the gospel, then you're successful. Great. Thanks be to God for that. So I think most writers need to figure out what is it that you really want deep down as a writer. And if that's the case, then let those that motivation guide your decisions then too. Hmm. And so, so yeah, I think uh, for me, once I got the encouragement of I'm a writer, <laughs> then I then I partially stopped thinking about it and I just wrote. I didn't think so much about me or am I doing this or is it going well enough? I just wrote. And before I knew it, I looked behind me and saw a trail of manuscripts behind me. And I thought, oh, OK, you know, there's there's writing. Uh, it just kind of sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Does. It, it mm-hmm. really does. And I, I think it just has It's the beauty of vocation. You know, mm-hmm. we are called to do something. You do it. And then you look back and you're like, oh, look, look, look what God did. And that's that's kind of cool for me to see that. And I think the imposter syndrome doesn't uh-huh. go away on its own. No, like it you doesn't. can look back over all of those published works and say, yeah, but am I really a writer? Yeah, <laughs> because it <laughs> will always you. be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Or then it's a new chapter. But am I really this kind of a writer? Am I really that right. kind? Or am I really the student? Or am I, you know, mm-hmm. so, yep, I think you're exactly so, right. Mm-hmm. Just power through. I want to ask you, we've talked about your Christmas pageants. We've touched yep. on your, your hymns and your arch books, your novels, because you, of yeah. course, you do novels, yes. too. How, what, what is it like writing for young readers, those, those middle grade YA readers? Who are I'm actually so in the middle of the first one right hard. now. Hey. I decided I should read it as homework. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's great. So that book came about, and I just realized I didn't answer fully one of Sarah's questions, but that's okay. We'll get back to it later <laughs> because this kind of answers the question for the fiction is why did I start 
writing this or how did I get my inspiration? I guess. Mm. And I was just finishing up my master's degree. And my master's degree had to do partially with writing, but partially with education, which was really great for where I was at that moment. But some of the things that I heard was a little frustrating with me, uh, to me. I was also going through a little bit of my teen withdrawal. I missed the, the students that I used to teach, but I was a high school teacher. And there's some things that I was thinking, oh, I wish I could tell them this, or I wish I could tell them that, you know, that yes, Christianity is countercultural and that's not a bad thing. You know, for example, mm-hmm. that that's just the history of the church, people, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that's all right. I've always loved dystopian literature anyway. And I was driving in the car with my daughter in the back seat. We were listening to the Frozen soundtrack. And <laughs> suddenly this world came into my imagination of, I, I don't know, um, New Morgan came into my mind. And I thought, this might be how I could reach teens right now hmm. with all the things I wish I could say. And I brought it up to a friend, really not expecting anything. I was just trying to bring it up to a friend. She happened to be an editor. Um, <laughs> but um, at the time, we weren't real, CPH wasn't doing a whole lot of fiction, just starting to do a little. So I, I really wasn't expecting much. And the next thing I knew, it was, okay, put a chapter or two together and tell us what you're really thinking about this. And yeah, so it was a little bit of a whirlwind, really. But to me, it was my way of just trying to write kind of a love letter to teenagers, really. You know, um, you can do this. God's got you. Um, he's got he's had everybody else the past 2000 years and more. But we're just um, and, uh, you know, it, it's going to be all right. So to have dystopian literature with hope, because mm-hmm. some people said Christian dystopian, I'm like, yeah, our world's broken. You know? I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's OK to say that there are problems. And I think it was a way for a lot of kids who used to be told, you know, to, I don't know, or at least they felt like they had to say everything was fine. It's okay mm. to see, say things are not fine, but at the same time, there's still hope. I'm That's glad you did that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks. I enjoyed it. It was that one was work. There are some things that devotionals feel like talking to me. It mm. feels like my parents, my parents, I feel like talked almost in devotional. They'd look at something and they'd say, you'd almost hear like the law and the gospel and the application without even really realizing it was kind of this internal literacy that was built into me. Mm. Hymns, I just have a hunger for. Fiction took work. I enjoyed it. It was satisfying. But that that was the quilt. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was harder. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got to make a quilt at some point, or in my case, a baby quilt. <laughs> Love it. Those count, right? <laughs> I think so. Yes, they totally count. <laughs> so, with all these different types of creativity, types of writing that you, that you're doing, and I like how you put them in, in kind of different boxes. Like it's all writing, mm-hmm. but it's all different. Yeah. Is there are there anxieties or fears that you have to overcome to like put your creative stuff out there? Oh my goodness, yes. Absolutely. It's so vulnerable to share your writing. I, I'm sure every that's with everything that you do or make, but especially when you make, I think, a creation of some sort. It feels like it's a piece of you. And it had been things I had to force myself to do. Because first of all, Sometimes you're not ready to hear good advice, and sometimes you don't hear good advice, so you have to be careful about that. So things I've learned was to find people you trust um, and people who are safe. 
and to practice, you know, to give things. I remember a few times where I gave a few of my first few texts to one of my editors slash friends slash colleagues and just kind of, you know, hold my breath kind of thing. And oh, and he's also a composer. So Mark, Mark Nickelbein, that's one of, I'll name him right now. Um, he's also <laughs> one of the composers who I work with. And the first few times I showed him texts, I thought, just what if he hates it or whatever and there was just that level of trust that had to be built and him likewise you know to share tunes to mm. my texts and things and um, you just have to build that trust and then I had to start learning to have that discerning ear of some people just don't necessarily have the right advice mm -hmm. um, so I don't necessarily need to share it as <laughs> <laughs> things with them but it's practice I think I used to do a lot of singing and auditions are easier when you do a lot of auditions. Mm -hmm. So I feel like sharing writing is easier when you share a lot. But you have to, again, share with mm. people you feel safe with first. And then eventually you might get braver to share more. I've got a fairly tough skin now. Um, not perfect, <laughs> but um, fairly tough skin. So I, I tend to share more than I used to, especially because I think sometimes it helps people. Mm -hmm. um, like Bree was talking about, I've been sharing a lot of my drafts on Instagram, just like just one stanza here and there and just a draft. And because I say it's a draft, that's kind of great because like, pressure's off, it may not be perfect. It might change over time. That's fine. But because people have been benefited by it, that means a lot to me. Hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Sarah, you asked a little bit about inspiration, I think, on like hymns and things like what yeah. ideas. Okay. Yeah. So here it is. <laughs> There's at least three different ways that I do hymns, how I get the ideas. One of them is just meeting a need. Oh, we're about to do a sermon series. Could you write a text on this? Or, gosh, I really wish there was a hymn about that. Well, maybe I'll try to write it. And that's actually how a few of them started right from the very beginning. Ah. And the, the meeting the need also was one of them. Uh, so that's kind of related, the meeting the need. Another one is, you know, you're sitting in a sermon or a Bible study or you're talking with a friend and suddenly you get this cool idea. And you're like, oh, I didn't think of it this way before or, oh, I love that theme. And you just, you know, get really excited. Uh -huh. That's mm. that's one of those like I got to write down the, a note to myself right now or write the hymn while the. And that's why we carry yeah. pens in our purses, people. Yes, yes. we do. And the hymn journals in our purses. It's true. She has um, a hymn journal. I do. <laughs> hymn journal. You don't just use a cocktail napkin like everybody else. <laughs> no, it's gotten better. They're, my first hymn journals, I have a lot of staples of, here's the piece of paper that I wrote it on and scribbled and stapled in there. But now this is... Is this nine? I'm sorry, I'm going to move my thing. Is this your hymn journal? Oh, it's, it's hymn journal number 10. <gasps> nice. Um, and so it's there with me with my different hymns and different random things too. So that's <laughs> the inspiration. So that's inspiration number two is just that aha epiphany thing. Mm -hmm. And the third one comes into, again, that disciplined thing we we're talking about before. Mm -hmm. Because I get hangry, because I want to write, because there are things that I'd like to do, I have essentially a checklist of these are hymns I want to write. So five-ish years ago, I don't remember, I started thinking, you know, it'd be kind of cool to have a hymn for every Sunday of the lectionary. Yeah. Um, what if I print out the lectionaries and like use that as my checklist? Um, so I started doing that. I went through the three-year lectionary and then I'm like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> okay, one-year lectionary. So I'm actually almost done with a one-year lectionary too. And so what that does for me is if I do have those moments of, oh, I have 40 minutes and nothing to do in my hymn journal, um, <laughs> then I pull out my checklist of the, the lectionary. I'll try to print out two or three Sundays and stick it in my journal at a time mm. so it's sitting there. And then it'll be like, okay, I've got my writing time and I don't have any other ideas. So I'll work on this. So it's those three things kind of help me because if I do have a great idea, 
I'll do it right away. But if I don't, then I'll work on my checklist. Mm-hmm. Mm. I want to talk about, and we, we've sort of danced a- around this a little bit, but the question of discipline and mm-hmm. time management. Obviously, you've got a lot of projects that you're working on at any given time. Do you have a set routine? How do mm-hmm. you structure your, obviously, when you're in the office, yeah. You structure it according to the needs of the workday. But when you're at home, which is when you do a lot of your creative writing, how yeah. do you structure that? Do you have regular times that you sit down, carve out, or is it just catch as catch can? A little bit of both. Usually I write, and this probably was a subconscious thing that happened, but when Matt was a seminary student and I was a high school teacher and we had a baby, <laughs> um, whenever Noah went to bed, we would do homework slash grading. And so that became our time. And it was great for me because I'm a night owl. It was harder for Matt because he was, he's a morning, he's a, what do you call them? <laughs> early birds. <glory>. Yeah. <laughs> and so we would often do stuff then. And that kind of, that pattern just kind of stuck that when the kids are in bed, well, the problem is the kids are getting older and they don't, they don't sleep early. No. <laughs> so now it's like, just go to your room, go to your room and sit and read whatever till you fall asleep. And we've got time to do something. So, or they'll do homework, like especially our senior, he'll do homework with us. And so that's where the routine part goes is late at night is when I tend to write. Unfortunately, I also work early in the morning right now. So I look forward to two years from now when my daughter can also drive and I can probably mm. go into work a little bit later. But I I tend to just, yeah, work at night. But then catch as catch can. I, I have my hymn journal in my purse. And if I am have to pick somebody up or if I've got an hour in between one errand and the other, I'll sometimes just write while I'm there. Mm-hmm. Do you have to be in a certain headspace in order for it to just work? Because sometimes yeah. like when I have to do visual design things yeah. for for either work or for fun or if somebody asked me to do something and I'm designing for them mm-hmm. it's hard for me to just like pull out my phone and start designing something like yeah. I have to sometimes I have to be in the right headspace in order to to let those creative juices flow do you find that or or can you kind of, can you just kind of turn it on and off for lesson writing yes I have to be in the right headspace for fiction writing yes I have to be in the right headspace Um, And what I've told myself, and this is something that I think is kind of comforting, at least it comforted me. (laughs) I don't think in terms of writer's block, um, Mm. if I'm not in the right headspace, I think, wait, what did I teach my kids, my students? I taught them about pre-writing and that thinking Mm -hmm. and asking questions and talking Mm -hmm. is all pre-writing. So, hey, I can't write right now. I'm going to take a walk around the neighborhood with my husband. We're going to talk some things out. Guess what? That's writing. And I'm like, feel good about, feel good about it, you know, or I'm Mm. doing dishes and I'm thinking about something. So especially with something like fiction or something like the lessons, I will usually read something or think about it, then put it in the back burner and then just let it percolate (laughs) till it's the right moment, in the right headspace, and then I'll do it. Hymns and devotions is easier for me. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, again, goes to that practice kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm at the point right now where I'm hangry when I don't. Mm -hmm. um, So it is easier. But some of the Mm -hmm. other stuff, yeah, I just, I don't, I try not to guilt myself if I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I just like, okay, I'll just go do this other thing for a little while and come back to it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The writing process really does work. It looks a mm-hmm. little different for everybody, but the things that, yeah. that your high school English teacher taught you about how to write, they weren't wrong about it's that. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And the whole don't worry about grammar right away. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that goes back to one of the things I kind of said earlier, which was 
don't take yourself too seriously. And I think that's one of the great things of writing a lot is you take every piece less seriously. If Mm. you've written one hymn and you're thinking this is the hymn, and if this is not the hymn, then I'm a failure to writer. That's crippling. And so if you've got many, then you think, not to say that they're not good, but suddenly they're bearing less weight. (laughs) They share the weight uh, emotionally. Mm -hmm. So I think that that helps too. I also appreciate that you point out that not all writing takes place sitting at a desk Mm -hmm. or with a pen and paper in your hand. That sometimes Mm -hmm. uh, some of my best writing happens when I'm out on a walk, that I'm Mm -hmm. stuck on a thorny problem of how to present an idea. And Mm -hmm. I just need some space and some fresh air to start untangling the knots in my own brain. And so you don't have to Writing doesn't look the same at every stage in the process. Mm -hmm. Yep. I write some podcast episodes when I'm walking outside. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned earlier that at some point your husband said, you write, you're a writer. Mm -hmm. So have you you always been a writer or is that something that sort of came to you later? And therefore, is that, I don't know, as people are listening and they're like, I'm not a writer, but maybe I could be. Or is this something that you've always you've always been a writer and it's just you finally acknowledged it? I think that's truer because if you had asked me in 2000, I don't know, eight ish, are you a writer? Would you write? Will you write? You know, I I don't know. I like, well, I like writing. You know, I used to want to be a writer. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And then as I start going back and having memories like, oh, yeah, in high school, I tried to write that one hymn song thing or, oh, yeah, when we went on vacations, I always brought a notebook and I tried to write a book Um, (laughs) or, oh, yeah, in second grade, I actually wrote a hymn because the Little Visits with Jesus devotion that my teacher read said at the end of the devotion, try to write a hymn today. And I (laughs) wrote something and showed it to my teacher and she said, what's this? I'm like, oh, the devotion said to write a hymn. And she's like, oh, this is good. I'm like, thanks. And that was uh-huh. it. And I completely uh-huh. forgot about it until I was like, I don't know, 30 something. I'm like, oh yeah, technically my first hymn was actually in second grade. Origin story. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember how it went? Like I would pay really good money to um, see it, like to read I it. No, I don't even know where it is, which makes me so sad. And that's another thing too. When I did start thinking about writing hymns, the first other hymn, aside from those two childhood ones, the first one is actually The Blood of Jesus. Yes, that uh, one is so good. <laughs> ah. And so good. <laughs> I was in the car. I'm pretty sure it was Holy Week. We were coming away from church and Matt said, oh, I got to go get something from church. I'm like, well, that's going to be another, what, 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> but it was a beautiful day. So the kids, I think, were in the back seat, but they were just kind of chilling. The window's down. We're all in the, in the car. And I started thinking about this line that when I was in high school, our youth group did a passion play based on the, the synoptic guy. Well, basically took the scriptures, put it all together in one, and we had a play. And council member number, I think it was three. I was council member number two. The council member <laughs> number three would say, his blood be on us and our children. And we'd all get goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I got goosebumps. We all went, woo. Um, <laughs> and... I, it always, you know, resonated with me. And I thought, man, that should really be a hymn. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to write this. And I thought, 
can I write hymns? I don't know. I've written sonnets before. Hey, sonnets are three stanzas in a couplet refrain, maybe sometimes, you know, okay. maybe I'll write a sonnet and maybe it'll be a hymn. And so I did. I wrote in the car, Blood of Jesus, but it was an iambic pentameter sonnet form. That was one of the texts I used that got me into a workshop. And at one point, somebody said, iambic pentameter, don't write hymns in iambic pentameter. Those lines are way too long. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, and the other thing, of course, is as I was writing it, I thought I didn't really think about uh, tunes, but Finlandia actually, it it works. Uh Um, So so for a while, I was kind of humming it. And so I had read it or sung it to Matt, like, here's a hymn that I just wrote and sang it to Finlandia. And um, he's like, that's cool, great. And so he started getting encouraging and he started asking me, can you write a hymn for this sermon series or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing? Anyway, then Blood of Jesus, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can change the meter. Maybe that'll work. And just to kind of summarize all the edits that went into it, because there were a lot of edits, the version that's there now is not in iambic pentameter, but actually pretty true content-wise to the original. And so that's kind of the start of it. And then Again, I didn't think a lot about it. I, I didn't think about it much at all until a few years in, as I started writing more and more, I thought, oh, does this mean I'm a hymn writer? Hmm. And that's that's another story, especially, <laughs> especially <laughs> the question, can people still write hymns and can women still write hymns and how does this work and all those hmm. kinds of things. Yeah. So then there, then there became a ex- uh, self-reflection later. But yeah, that's how I started. That's beautiful. Yes, women can like write VH1 hymns. Behind the music. I feel like I feel like we need to take the question mark out there and just say it out loud. Women, you can write hymns. Yes. Amen. Yes. yes. And please yeah, do. I mean, after all, you just did the podcast on Elizabeth Krusiger. Sorry. Yes. Krusiger. Love her. Elizabeth Krusiger. Yeah. Well, and to, to say that then, when I finally started thinking about this, you know, deep down in my mind, I thought, I didn't pay attention really to who was writing hymns back at that point. Um, my husband actually paid more attention to it, I think, than I did. And then I actually had a lot of comfort in that. Like, oh, nobody cares who writes these things. They can be in hymns and, and you know, people <laughs> won't necessarily know, you know, who writes this. It's great. Well, now I pay attention, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought in the back of my mind, well, sure, plenty of people have written hymns and there are probably other women. But there was somebody who'd asked me that question point blank. And so I kind of went home and thought about it. And like a good Lutheran, I actually didn't think necessarily right to the Reformation, which would have given me a great answer. I went to the Bible mm. and I thought, wait a second, there's Mary and there's Miriam had something and Elizabeth. And you start mm-hmm. bringing Hannah. And I was like, wait a second. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I want a t-shirt. You know how we've got that like Winkworth Gerhardt. Yes. I want one that has like Mary and Mary, like all those, those <laughs> names on there. Because... I realize, of course, that these women in the Bible, it's its slightly different because what we're reading is truly inspired by God as scripture, which is different. But if women said anything of substance, doctrinally or of faith in the Bible, it was in hymnody. It was in mm. innocent song. And in fact, there's a note in the TLSB, the Lutheran Study Bible, about it seems like maybe music and prophetess, there was some sort of connection there, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of cool. So then I thought, well, 
you know, not to say I'm married because I'm certainly not, but if, <laughs> <laughs> there certainly didn't seem to be a problem that she broke out the song as along with the other women too. So then yeah. I, I felt good about it. And then of course, later on, I saw all sorts of other things like Catherine Winkworth and everybody yeah. else. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, Catherine Winkworth has a connection to the school I'm going to right now also. Yeah. And I'm just right. so meta about it. Yeah. It's I remember great. that. Yes. She oh. helped start the University of Bristol. Yes. And made it, I remember that. Make it co-ed because she thought it was important for women to learn stuff. Isn't oh. there like a monument in her honor there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a Winkworth house, which is apparently a dorm. Yes. So, yes. If okay, I actually so be there, if you yeah. go over there, I mm-hmm. want selfies of you with the Catherine Winkworth <laughs> monument on your Instagram. 100%. Agreed. Oh, absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping to go for graduation at least. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, awesome. So, Lisa, I see that you have your hymn journal with you. Yes. And I wonder if you would be willing to share with us something that you're currently working on. Ooh. All right. Sure. Let's see. That's Let's the best see. question you have ever asked. <laughs> <laughs> Read your diary to us, please. Got it. Okay. Well, you've mentioned my Instagram. The one I wrote... A couple days ago. Yo, let me get a Kleenex. Hold on. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I shared the first stanza. So here's the four stanzas um, all together. You heard it here first, Again, people. Yeah. And it's a draft. It's a draft. It's a draft. (laughs) Here we go. Lord, with the sun, let me arise and greet the promise of the skies that joy may come with each new day until all storms have passed away. Lord, with the noontime, help me serve and never lose my love or nerve. Despite the heat, may I endure to share relief and mercy's shore. Lord, in the twilight, help me see the glimmer of eternity when shadows once for all will fade and all is perfect and remade. Lord, in the darkness, grant me rest within your arms forever blessed that I may trust the coming light and all your glories come to sight. Literal goosebumps, my friends. I was singing it in my head to Old Hundredth. I love it when people tell me that. When they tell me what kind of whatever tune comes to mind. That is so fun. Um, and I just realized, Rachel, light and sight. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and you use nerve. I don't think yeah. nerve shows up in mm. LSP. I think I remade too. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Mm. Fantastic. I think before we wrap, one of us needs to go through actual titles of some of these things that you've done please okay let's hear some yes let's let's just hear we've heard now a draft but let's hear some that are actually published works okay so lisa thank you for being with us today and we've talked a lot about things just sort of like by description but i want to make sure that all of our listeners out there know one Find Lisa's work at cph.org. Just do a search for Lisa Clark and you will be astounded at the two pages of things that come up. (laughs) Just to highlight a few things, her fiction series for middle grade novels, the Messenger series, Discovered, Revealed, Concealed. What's the order for those? Uh, Discovered, Concealed, Revealed. Okay. That makes more sense. It's the Messengers. (laughs) If you have young people who need Christmas gifts, this would be a great Mm -hmm. thing. And then, of course, there are her Christmas programs, Joy to the World, To Us a Child is Born, the Jesse Tree one that is yes. new out. If you want arch books, this, she's got the songs of Christmas. How cool is that? And then Jesus Heals the Man at the Pool. If you want hymns, there are choral arrangements of her hymns that you can sing with your choir. And, and 
I could go on. Lisa, is there anything I haven't mentioned that you really want to spotlight? No, that's great. Thank you so much for mentioning them. And again, I don't think I had a chance yet, but thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I got so excited when you invited me. I, I do my laundry and I hear you, your podcast, and it feels like you're in my laundry room. And it's just so exciting to actually be with you all because this is just so great. I was so excited to be here. <laughs> this was such a fun conversation today. It really was. So we've mentioned your Instagram a couple of times. We've oh, yeah. mentioned all of your publications, but mm -hmm. if people want to follow you elsewhere. Yeah. Um, if you go on Facebook and you go to Lisa M. Clark, I often post there. And then um, also Instagram. Those are where I post the most often. I don't do Twitter quite so much anymore. And you can certainly reach out to me, direct message me on those two accounts. That's great. So you can have any questions. Let me know. All right. Thank you for being here and blessings on your doctorate. I can't wait till so we can address you as Dr. Lisa Clark. <laughs> and read all of your hundred hymns. Ah! Oh my goodness. That's I'm amazing. so excited for that. That is going to be so great. Uh, so ladies, find Lisa's work and follow her on Instagram. If you want to see all of the hymn verses that she puts out, it's really fun for that. Thank you so much for joining us today. This Thank has been you. super fun. Yay. You can find all of our other conversations with creatives at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. We'd also love to hear about your own creations, your own ways that you're creative. You can join us in our Facebook group, the Lutheran Ladies Lounge, or you can follow us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. If you want to share some of your own stories and tag us, we'll throw those into our story as well. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm in Lisa Clark's laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> and I spend my whole life in a laundry room. So I'm there with you too, Lisa. <laughs> KFUO Radio and the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast are underwritten in part by Ad Crucem. Visit them online at adcrucem.com. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Okay, I hate to cut this short, but the dog has been screaming the song of his people because it's 13 minutes past his dinner time. So, <laughs> Lisa, it was lovely to meet you. I'm sorry it could not okay. be in the flesh. I'll be back. All right. <laughs> Great to meet you, Bree. Good to see you, Lisa.